Hello, hello, hello. It's super regional time. The mayhem moving on. A field of 64 now down to 16, ladies and gents. And it is time to break them all down. Today on the show, we're going to look ahead and go matchup by matchup for you. We've also got a ton of stuff in the mailbag. A lot of people with a lot of questions out there. So uh, we're going to answer a lot of those questions. We've got Vegas Vicky in a special edition of Shag and Stats. We're going to play a little over-under. Uh, and, of course, we've also got some Gimme Some Jimmy, and we will answer the age-old question, where in the world was Jenny Dalton? That's all coming up on the program today. BMO, Bro, Scarborough, Smitty, Cool Cat with the Bat, and the first man of softball, James Jimmy Softball, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, with wow. us on the show. Everybody. Wow. Jimmy, it was your idea um, for the leadoff position today, so I'm going to have you start since there was unbelievable stuff going on around the country. Let's go big picture in our leadoff spot. What did you love about last weekend? What I loved the most was that everywhere you looked, it was softball. There was softball on four different ES- five different ESPN networks, plus the app, plus the uh, awesome bases loaded where they jumped around. Uh, crowds looked awesome out there. Uh, games were awesome. We had a bunch of game sevens, but I, I, I want to know what you guys thought. You were there at the games. Tell, tell me what the feeling was, you know, out there. Amanda? Yeah, I thought that um, the emotion was something that I recognized this weekend. And I mean emotion in everything from bigger celebrations when the team clinched a spot in Supers to also more tears. I saw at my regional the Drake senior catcher come out and talk to the Drake senior pitcher before the last out when they would run off on the field and they had a moment together and she was crying and went back behind the plate and Nicole Newbin struck out the last batter that she faced. And then I saw tears in Norman of this little boy crying when Oklahoma lost. So I thought it was the emotion that stood out to me. And that little boy crying, we couldn't figure out if it was because his mom and dad said he couldn't have ice cream because in the very next game, he had a cup of ice cream and he was happy as a clam. So, but the emotion, I think that game stunned everyone because I don't think that anybody expected Oklahoma to lose. So it, there was a look of stun across or shock across the Oklahoma faces and then able to come back and get that win. Um, but so much emotion, just like you said, Amanda, the tears, the celebrations. And I remember back when we played, it was more a situation of act like you've been there, but anymore, every game, you never know what it's going to be. Yeah, you never know. And the amount, I, I think too, for all of these teams, there's just no quit in anybody. Every single inning, teams were fighting so hard, and I had the privilege of watching Arizona State go against Alabama, and in Game 3, Arizona State took a 5 nothing lead. Alabama comes back, scores 5, so it's tied 5-5. Alabama goes up 8-3. Arizona State ties it. So just the amount of fight endlessly and how hard each and every single player from region to region was focused, was battling in their at-bats, just made it really special because you could tell – it meant something. The emotion was there. The drive was there. The energy was there. And I think from the crowd, like you said, to the players, just to every single moment feeling really, really big. I don't think I've experienced that much big moments throughout every single regional as, as I have this year. And, and ladies, I agree with everything that you said. I, th- I think the thing that I noticed that I wish we would notice every single pitch of every game um, is the sense of urgency. It was almost like the upperclassmen were like, as juniors are like, this is the end of my junior year. As seniors were like, this is the end of my career. Uh, that sense of urgency. It's like when you're, when you go in and you talk to freshmen for the first time, you need to say, Hey, your four years are going to fly by and, and you need to play every pitch with that sense of urgency. I saw that this weekend. You could see it in the eyes of the hitters, that the pitchers and, and the crowd, even, you know, knowing that everything's on the line, but really the game, every, every pitch should be played that way. Um, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, and and I loved everything around uh, the games. I'm I'm walking into the grocery store to get some supplies um, for my hotel room out in Tucson, Arizona, and I got I got my Mayhem uh, T-shirt on. And the a guy walking in behind me says, "Hey, are you here to call the games this weekend?" And I'm like, "Yeah, are you guys going?" He's like, "Yeah, me and me and my four buddies, we got tickets. We're all heading over." It, it was the talk of the town everywhere you went. Um, people were talking about it. If you had a softball logo on, 
people would recognize you. Hey, we're going to the games today out in Tucson. And, and the, the renovated Hill and Brand Stadium. Fabulous. They, they, they have a walkway around the back of the press box. So you're looking out over the street, the, the front entrance. And in Tucson, they, they have a little trolley car that you can take, but they have parking lots that, that there's not a lot of parking around it. So I'm sitting there before the game. It was like a major league ballpark or a minor league baseball stadium. People are milling around outside waiting to get in. They're walking from north, south, east, and west, all just kind of hanging around waiting to get into the stadium um, to see what was going on. And everybody is hooked on playing for a championship and competing for a championship. Eight game sevens in a regional is absolutely ridiculous that the parody that we see when the number one and the number two seeds are both pushed to a game seven, fabulous for our sport. And, and that's what sticks with me. Um, and the hope that we can get more and more of these games on national TV moving forward. And I think the ratings will bear that out. Does anybody paint a picture of a softball field better than Beth Moens? Come on, I can almost smell the peanuts and Cracker Jack. I know. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful, <laughs> I Jimmy. I felt softball. like I was back in Tucson all of a sudden, like I missed my flight. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a little sweaty too. I was feeling the 90 degree temps that you guys probably had there oh. in the sun. Well, that's because yes. you had 20 that degree is, temps, Amanda. Yeah, exactly. I was like, Amanda just yeah. said that with a bit of spite in her voice. I, think. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> said that with spite. It's the postseason, Scarborough. You don't you don't feel the weather. You don't feel the cold. You play through it. Nothing <laughs> says postseason softball like a 35 degree feels like temperature, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amanda thought she was calling the Iditarod instead of softball. So. Oh, <laughs> if you ain't got a parka at the ball yard, you don't know Big Ten <laughs> exactly. softball, baby. I actually had mine. That's so true, <laughs> man. Uh, I, I'm just running through the bracket here. I think we, are we are we left with uh, maybe a couple of cold weather possibilities um, at Minnesota and Washington. No, it'll be 75 post, and sunny this weekend. No. Just because you <laughs> yeah. left. Yeah, yes. I already looked yeah. at it. Yeah. Oh. Hey, we got a lot of fans out there, and we love them all. We we appreciate everything they do for the sport and and uh, the good word out on the street for the Seven Innings podcast. Uh, so, uh, we got a big mailbag this week. We, we got a lot of questions. We can sort of rip through these and then we'll continue on and break down all the head to head matchups. But, uh, in no particular order, uh, Jamie Patton or Peyton, uh, is interested in the different preparation, Smitty. Um, whether it's an unknown opponent, like say JMU playing UCLA or old rivals like Tennessee and Florida and how the preparation may be different. You take the lead and then anybody else can jump in. Well, I, I think first off, you have to always go back and, and dissect your own play from your regional tournament. What did you do well? What didn't you do well? What do you need to focus on? Because basically that's what your opponent's going to be doing. Your opponent is, is going to be looking at you and seeing how they can attack you, how, how they can work um, to your weaknesses. So you, you go back, you look at yourself, you fix those areas, uh, whether or not it's defensively, a pitcher, maybe a pitch that wasn't working, hitters, maybe a hole in your swing. And then you get into looking at your um, ability to compete against your opponent. How are you going to attack them? I, I, I like um, sometimes when you go in and you, you, you don't know your opponent because you just go in and you focus on yourself. I know that it's going to be interesting for Tennessee and Florida, very, uh, very familiar with each other. Um, but the JMU UCLA matchup to me, those are the intriguing ones, seeing the way that each team prepares uh, and gets ready for definitely the, the biggest games of their careers. And there's a lot of coaches. We get to talk to all of them before our matchups begin each weekend. And when you ask them how they're going to attack the opponent, a lot of times the coaches say, we need to just worry about ourselves and make sure that we're prepared. And I think the preparation and the scouting, a lot of that goes to the coaching staff, because as soon as you start to filter a lot of that information onto your players, it can lend to sometimes the hiccup because you start to think. And as an athlete, you don't want to think, you don't want to worry about what pitch is coming. You just want to see it and attack it. And so I think a lot of the preparation and the scouting happens on the coaching side, and then it filters down or just trickles down sparingly to your athletes to make sure that they stay as, as athletic as possible. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Amber Lamb wants to know Scarborough were the Sooners tight or is that loss just a blip 
on the radar as they move forward now and have to host another Big Ten school. You know, I, I thought that Caitlin Menz just did a tremendous job against them. And so I have to give her, the, the pitcher for Wisconsin, I have to give her so much credit. And the fight that I saw out of Wisconsin in those later innings, especially just coming up with a couple of executed, squeezed plays that kept Oklahoma's defense in check to be able to pull ahead. Like, I thought that, yes, that was a little blip on Oklahoma's radar, uh, but uh, And that's also why I think a good example of why in our sport you have to lose two games to end your season. Um, It's kind of like that wake-up call, that idea, whether it's in regional, supers, or at the Women's College World Series, one loss is not going to end your season. Um, It just can be that wake-up call. Well, and Patty Gasso said that she was actually kind of grateful that that loss happened because the weight of a 41-game win streak was really sitting on their backs. They knew that it was a single-season record, and they were trying to reach that 47 by Arizona that was a multi-season record. But for them, she said, you know, I'm actually kind of grateful that it happened when it did because it got us to be able to reset and not have to worry about that streak anymore. Going to be very interesting to see how they deal with that. All right, moving on. Natalie Foltz wants to know, bro, can Kentucky hit Washington? Gabby Plain, a no-hitter, UW gave up one run in three games, but them Cats, 26 runs scored in their regional. Washington did beat Kentucky back in February. What say you, bro, to Natalie Fultz's question? You know, I I think about Kentucky, and I go back to the Oregon Super Regional last year where they lit up Megan Kleist in game one. So they have Mm -hmm. the potential to really unload. They have a group of seniors led by Abby Cheek that know what it's like to go play on the West Coast that were really close last season and came up short. So I think that they're going to be a little bit smarter this year. They're going to be probably a little bit more disciplined and not let the momentum of winning game one get the best of them and come out just as strong in game two. And then I look at, you know, they beat Alabama at home, uh, which is a really incredible pitching staff as well. So I think that they're in the right direction to challenge Washington more than they saw last weekend and more than uh, maybe they've seen since a, a UCLA team. Good stuff. Good stuff. James, softball. Amish Electrician wants to know, do you have a visitor that you feel has the best chance to win on the road? Oh, wow. Um, That's tough. That's really tough. Uh, I was in Baton Rouge this weekend, and uh, Mm -hmm. if FLSU puts everything together, they they have good young pitching. It's not what they've had in the past. But if their offense starts coming together like it did in their game seven, uh, I would watch out for them. Um, you know, Tennessee, Florida is kind of interesting just because they know each other so well. I'd never count out Kelly Barnhill and Amanda Lorenz, but you know, that's a team you play a lot of and anything can happen. You know, Tennessee throws three pitchers a game if they, if they need to. So, you know, those would be the two I'm looking at. I, I, I don't see a lot of upsets here, but Hey, that's, that's why it's the mayhem, right, Beth? That's why it's hashtag mayhem. Um, uh, for everyone, Alicia and Mel, want to know uh, who do we feel, just a feel, who has the most momentum going into the Supers? Um, I'll jump in on that. I would would have to say that right now JMU has a ton of momentum and the way that they played um, up in in Michigan and played in a hostile environment. Obviously going to UCLA, it's going to be the same. That that team, I think, believes that that they can do anything. My one worry is obviously they're going to go up against Garcia uh, and a very strong UCLA team, and they mm-hmm. saw left-handed pitching all weekend, and now they're going to see a right-handed Garcia. Um, so I, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of momentum there. But I, I think every one of these clubs will say, hey, we won, we've got momentum. <laughs> <laughs> and Danielle wants to know, Danielle sent us a, a tweet, uh, do we think there is a toughest Super regional, one that sticks out more than the rest. I, I would, uh, I would toot the, uh, the horn of the eight nine matchup, yeah. which the selection committee thinks would be the toughest, uh, Texas at Alabama. I, I think that's a great one. Um, and, I look at, and I, this is not just because I'm going there, but Florida State and Oklahoma State with the way that both teams swung the bat. I, I mean, they hit so many home runs between those two teams last weekend in regionals. So, that could either be a slugfest or it could be a pitcher's duel with King and Shao. And I cannot know how it, I, I just, there's no way to tell how it's going to go. It's going to be fun. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, we got more questions that we'll sprinkle into our breakdown, but it's time, I think, 
to move on and start attacking some of these supers matchups uh, head on. If you if you got your bracket with you, we're just going to start top left and run down the left side, top right, and run down the right side of the bracket so that you can follow along. BMO, Bro, Scarborough, Smitty, Jimmy, and the Cool Cat with the Bat here on the Seven Innings Podcast. We start out with the number one overall seed, the Oklahoma Sooners hosting Northwestern. It's the one sixteen matchup. That will be uh, Tiffany Green and Caleb Bro on the call, and that one will get underway on Friday. Of course, the big news, Caleb Bro, the 41-game win streak got snapped. G. Juarez lost for the first time. And uh, for Northwestern, they had to come out of the loser's bracket. Danielle Williams threw 13 innings on Sunday to, to move them along. What say you about the happenings in Norman this weekend? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think first and foremost, neither teams were perfect. So I think that they're going to have the opportunity to go, you know, practice the next couple of days and really look at the film, check out what they did, know where that they can be better. And I agree with what we were talking about early, earlier. I think, I mean, Jenny, you said it. This is probably the best thing that could happen to Oklahoma is that they lost in a situation where that they could come back and they could learn and not feel, like you said, the weight of the, the streak. So that's big. Um, you know, it's interesting. So in their 40-game win streak, Oklahoma was averaging over eight runs a game, and they only scored seven runs in three games against Wisconsin. So I, I think, you know, you look at the offense and how they can improve, and then facing a lefty, Danielle Williams, the freshman, you know, how will she handle being in Norman, going against the number one team and trying to pull an incredible upset? And um it's just going to be a fun weekend. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Northwestern, who I really haven't seen yet this year, and uh, see how they go toe-to-toe with the big dogs from the Big 12. Yeah, star power in that one. I, I'm not, you know, we, we're at a top 10 national player of the year finalist. We're going to cut it down to three. I, I don't know how we keep G. Juarez and Sidney Romero um, out of two of those spots. Sid the Kid has just been phenomenal all year long and had some clutch hits for Oklahoma. Anybody else want to chime in on this one? Something to look for? Who to watch for? Well, I think that um, Oklahoma gave a little bit of a vulnerability on the outside pitch. They were watching a lot of them. And one of the things that Patty Gasso said, she went to the umpire and said, is that a strike? And the umpire said, Coach Gasso, you know what? That pitch is something that I know is a strike. And I don't know why your hitters who are very good in the box are not swinging at it. When Gasso went back and looked at the game, she agreed with the umpire. She didn't know why her hitters weren't attacking that. You've got Shay Knighton over at first, who's a little bit um, impaired with those knees. And so there's a vulnerability to the short game as well. And we saw that in those two squeeze bunts that were put down to give them the win. Um, so to give Wisconsin the win. So for them, they're still leading in offensive categories with the lowest ERA in the country, highest fielding percentage, and the most home runs per game. So they still have the numbers in their favor, but it's going to come down to momentum as they head into Super Regionals. All right, that's going to be a good one. Oklahoma and Northwestern, Tiffany Green, Caleb Bro on Friday. Next up is the 8-9 matchup. Uh, T-Town never down, Tuscaloosa for Alabama and Texas. Underway Thursday night. Uh, with uh, BMO, Smitty, and Doza on the call for that one. Uh, the Alabama pitching staff, Michelle, uh, got roughed up a little bit over the weekend. A valuable learning experience for them moving forward, or is there something else that we might want to be alarmed about? No, uh, well needed, I think, Beth. I saw a little bit of fear on Montana Fouts's uh, face and in her eyes, and uh, you know what there should be, because you're pitching in a huge environment, her first time ever, she's a freshman. I'd be more concerned if I saw that look um, on a junior or senior. So, uh, you know, it, it, it takes time to get to that spot spot where your skin's so thick when you're in the circle, you're like, bring it on. I can, I can take this and I can handle that. So the, I think the, uh, the regionals was a very good uh, learning lessons for, for her, for Sarah Cornell as well. Uh, and, and Crystal Goodman. Um, that's a strong staff. They're hard to prepare for because they're also very different. They've got an offense that puts runs up on the board. And then the flip side, you look at Texas Ellish, she was a beast. You know, she had that, she had that look of an upperclassman that says, Hey, I've been here before. I've pitched in the women's college world series. 
I know what it's like to have my back up up the uh, against the wall, and I'm going to fight and uh, and I'm going to throw with that fire and passion. So uh, this is going to be a really good four and oh, yeah, four with four hundred and forty four hundred and forty pitches. Yeah, that's a that's a lot uh, of pitches. But I I think every one of them, even though her velocity may have been down um, a little bit against Houston, she has that great movement. She's got good mix. You don't know what she's going to throw, and she had that determination. It's like I, I mentioned earlier. It's that sense of urgency at this point in the season, every pitch could be your last pitch and you have to throw it with that mentality. Well, Texas lost their first game. So that had to be a sense of urgency. They were in four elimination games and she won all four of them. Yeah, I think this is where yeah. you start to see those transfers from Oregon really play a huge part on Texas's team, and they have this whole season. But the experience that they bring in the postseason from Oregon to a Texas team that is not very experienced in the postseason to me is invaluable. Mary Iacopo back behind the plate, Miranda Elish wanting the ball every single game and pacing herself on that Sunday where she knew that she had to pitch two games from the first inning. Lauren Burke and Shannon Rhodes. Shannon Rhodes, who hasn't really had a great season has stepped up in the postseason. So you're seeing those four play a huge part in Texas's team. Yeah. One more thing to look for, though, in in that Alyssa Brown, the leadoff hitter for Alabama, was the difference. I think she was the tournament MVP because of how she set the table. I mean, it was automatic. She had an on-base percentage of like over 800 on the weekend, was just filthy with her slaps. So I think she was going to play a big part. If she can touch up Elish early and get on base early, I think Alabama's going to have a lot easier time. But if they get her out, Alabama might struggle a little bit offensively. Well, I'm just curious, how was her footwork? Like, did she get called out of the box? Like, what was that situation like this weekend? Not once. Not one person in the whole regional got caught out of the box. And I think it was because, well, first and foremost, she's kind of adjusted and playing more off the plate now um, when she starts. But I think on the other side of that, with the four umpire crew, they're relying on the second base umpire to call that more. And they did not call it at all. I I love how bro has now started to just go out after uh, leadoff hitters, the way that Smitty goes after left-handed pitchers. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Got a a rep for the the slap game. is still alive. Definitely part of the seven innings team now. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, we also we got a tweet um, from a woman named Sydney Littlejohn um, wanting to know what our favorite supers moment was. Um, the fix is definitely in on this one. She played in it. Uh, the Marissa Runyon Grand Slam, May twenty third, two thousand fifteen. That was the entire tweet from Rebecca C Evans. Just May twenty third, two thousand fifteen, Runyon Grand Slam. So. Uh, tip of the cat to uh, to Sid Littlejohn for that uh, that email that t- uh, tweet for us. Um, all right, Florida, Tennessee. Uh, the uh, Lady Vols took two out of three right That's during right. the regular season, but but the Gators pitchers, man, they're back. One combo no hitter in the um, regional and three shutouts. Florida didn't give up a run, guys. Uh, I, I'm just going to say my my biggest worry for Tennessee is that when they went in and won that SEC series, they had Shipman behind the dish, um, and so it was before her injury. And now without her, I, I think this team's a little bit different of a look. You know, their defense is in a different. Everyone's kind of shuffled around. That would be my concern for Tennessee. And and on the other side, I think we we mentioned it almost in every podcast. If you have the ball in Barnhill's hand and uh, Le- Amanda Lorenz with an opportunity to swing it. Uh, they're never out of the game. Well, and Barnhill's been throwing so well since the SEC tournament. Like I would love to see her numbers from the beginning of the SEC tournament through regionals because she just has been back to true form and she's just has looked almost calmer. And I, Michelle had talked about that sense of urgency that you saw um, a lot of the seniors and juniors play with this past weekend, but it's almost like she's taken a different approach and used that sense of urgency to have a different presence and be more calmer in the circle. And I think that it's helping her out. So I think Tennessee is going to see a much different Barnhill than who they saw in March when she was yeah. figuring out, Hey, I'm the only, I'm the ace of the staff and I don't really have anybody back behind me. Amanda, I'll give you those numbers. Six games since the start of the SEC tournament, she's given up just one run. She struck out 38 in 36 innings of work. It's a .19 ERA. Oh, you're on it, Jimmy Softball. Isn't .19 what Megan King did in the World Series last year? Sounds. I think so. It was one run. Sounds very familiar. Hey, uh, speaking of Megan King, let's move on um, to another matchup in the Supers, Florida State and Oklahoma State. 
and the defending champs, boy, they were swinging it real well. Uh, but King and company got hit a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be there in Tallahassee. I'll be really interested to see how this one goes. Um, I personally didn't get a chance to see a lot of the Tallahassee regional because I felt like they were playing whenever we were playing or uh, we were in the booth. So I uh, need to go back and watch a little film before we get there in Tallahassee. But I think what sticks out to me is the way that Oklahoma State swung the bat in Stillwater and their comebacks and their fight. And I think that the way that they played in Stillwater has motivated them and I mean I feel like when I look at when I look at this list I don't think anybody wants to beat the defending champs more than what Oklahoma State wants to do to prove their worth to prove that they belong prove that they're a top 16 team and a World Series type team and and that's the kind of motivation that Sam Shaw uses in the circle she uses at the plate and I know their freshman Cheyenne Factor she stepped up really big last week in Stillwater too. Yeah, Amanda, I think that's going to be an amazing series. And and it's interesting, too, because and I joke about it all the time about left-handed pitchers, but the number of left-handed pitchers that we've seen taking their teams through regionals and now into to supers really is incredible. So it comes down, you either have a lefty in the circle or you have to be able to hit a lefty. Um, and so for Oklahoma State, they've seen G. Juarez. Is that enough to help them prepare for um, Megan King. Megan King, I felt like some of her pitches she was missing. She wasn't getting the calls that maybe she normally would get. Struggled a little bit. They've got some younger pitchers that were able to come in, give her a couple of innings. She kind of refocused, was able to come back in and save the games or, or win the games, finish them out. Um, so it is going to be a really interesting um, super regional. But I, I love the fact that Florida State all of a sudden was like, back to the bats that they had early on in the season. And that's what they're going to need in order to get through this super regional. How about, how about back to the bats that they were swinging in the postseason last year, they hit yeah. 10 home runs in that regional and they're gearing it up uh, ready for a fight late in the season. Uh, Florida state, let's see Tallahassee will be Courtney Lyle and Amanda Scarborough. And let me back up to Gainesville too. Eric Freed and Maddie Shipman will be there. Um, let's go Washington, Kentucky. Now we'll switch over to the top right side of your bracket, Washington, Kentucky. That's the three fourteen matchup. Um, that was Washington giving up one run in three games and Kentucky scoring 26 runs in three games. This to me is so intriguing. Um, a little bit jealous, uh, that Mark Neely and Danielle Laurie are going to be out there calling these games. (laughs) This could be the most fascinating matchup, I think, of, of the uh, Super Regional round. Yeah, on our uh, seven innings road to the Women's College World Series, this is the one that I picked for the most intriguing Super Regional because both of these teams are just so well coached and they're so gritty. They never give in. I especially think of the way that they play on defense. Um, but I, I, I truly am curious, well, how will Gabby Plain and Taryn Alvello tackle the Kentucky offense? And this is the matchup. Abby Cheek, SEC Player of the Year versus Gabby Plain or Taryn Alvello. I can't wait to watch them go head-to-head. I think it will be fantastic. You know, Kentucky, for me, has had some stumbles this year that has taught them a lot about themselves. And with the hard-hitting um, Abby Cheek, who's still in the top 10 for Player of the Year, for them, they really have grasped onto her and her attitude has changed from her first three years at Kentucky to now in her senior campaign. She's become a lot more humble, a lot more patient, and they've really gone the way of Abby Cheek. So I'm impressed with the change that she's made. And I'm really excited to see how she comes out in this super regional in her senior year. Yeah. Players to watch here too. Alex Martins, a couple of home runs last weekend for Kentucky and Morgan Flores may be the difference for Washington, a team that reached the finals last year, can she get them over the hump and get their second national championship? Kayla? Uh, I mean, she's going to be their best power hitting chance. But, I mean, I just want to point out that you guys, in this in this Super Regional, we might see two of the best shortstops in the entire country, yes. Sis Bates and Katie Reed going back and having to battle for, you know, who's going to stand out as the best, who's going to make the biggest difference on their team this weekend. Mm-hmm. All right, Arizona Ole Miss in Tucson. Jesse Harper, a three home run game in the regional. They got Raina Caranco back for Ole Miss. The walk-off win, a thriller in Oxford. 32 runs in four games. And Kylan Becker hit 538 in the regional. So now Ole Miss heading out to Arizona. And here's the backdrop. Arizona has lost the last two times they've hosted a super can they wipe out those memories and return to the World Series for the first time in nine years? 
Uh, you know what? I think that um, the championship game of regionals was huge for Arizona. Obviously, their bats came alive. They did it with um, with without McQuillan in the circle. So Alyssa Denham really stepped up. I liked the way she threw. Her ball was moving. She had so many ugly pitches ripping through the zone. She did give up a couple of runs. Um, wasn't helped by a, a defensive miscue or two. But um, I think Arizona, this is a squad that's hungry very, very hungry to get back to Oklahoma City. So I think uh, Ole Miss is going to have their hands full coming into a. So Tucson. are their alumni. Their alumni are very, very <laughs> hungry for that as well. <laughs> <laughs> they are pains in the back uh, end. Did I'll you notice you that, that pregnant right pause? She was just waiting. All right, no one else to. is going to say anything. I'm <laughs> jumping in. I'll give the Homer chant to myself. Like, I get it. Beth Harper, I have to give there a shout go. out to her. She tied my um, career record in home runs with those three home runs in the championship game. Oh, awesome. yeah. That's good stuff. That'll be Mike Cousins and Aaron Miller out there on the call. Scarborough? Yeah, I was just thinking about how hard that Arizona infield yeah. is and how it plays to the slappers of Ole Miss and their speed. Uh, very interested to see Arizona home field advantage. Do they keep it that way? Do they water it down a little bit? Like, how do they keep the speed and the lefties of Ole Miss off the base bus? Amanda, I'm it so was, glad you mentioned that. I you're, mean, you're welcome. And, you're and welcome. You taught me well. And, and that's how Ole Miss won their regional. Is they won on they they squeeze played earlier in the game, and then they had the bases loaded with I think it was Horton, Kaylee Horton up, and she just hit a slap like high chopper right over the shortstop's head. No chance with one out. And, and that's how they walked it off. <laughs> Had Bro played at Arizona, would she have hit 600? Uh, yes. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. It was, it was, it was Gibraltar rock hard yes, last weekend. So we'll, <laughs> we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, see if well, it stays and, and I, that one way. other r- quick little note too. Deja uh, Mulapola at this catching position is, is going to be able to maybe keep some of that speed at bay for Ole Miss. So I'm excited to see how many times they try to run on her or if they're going to have to go maybe to more slap and hit and runs, but that's going to be a lot of fun watching how she does behind the dish. All right. Onward. And downward uh, on the right side of the bracket, LSU at Minnesota. Allison Claudine tweeted to us, please, please talk about the Gophers. So we will do just that because they will be hosting a Super Regional for the very first time in school history. Uh, they were um, fantastic at home. Natalie Den Hartog, uh, Hope Brandner, Amber Pfizer in the circle was 3-0. and Amanda Sanchez, a key for LSU. She was only one for 14 in the regional and actually got dropped down in the batting order. But here's the big thing. With Minnesota, first time ever in this situation, and an LSU team, just a brief reminder, they won on the road in 2017 at Florida State and in 2016 (laughs) at JMU. Talk amongst well, yourselves. Yeah, I I think that Minnesota is a lot like how you guys described Arizona, that they kind of saved their best for their that last game on, on the regional final because uh, their game on Friday and their game on Saturday, their offense just didn't look that great. They still found ways to win. They fought hard. Uh, but you really saw what their offense was capable of on Monday. Not Monday. Sunday because we were there an extra game. On Monday, uh, you saw their offense come around and score some big runs. So they went away from that regional, I think, feeling like, hey, we could just got out of this regional and we didn't play our best ball of the season by far. We still have our best ball to come. But the reason they were in every game is Amber Pfizer, who stepped it up a couple of levels. The way that she pitched, she pitched every game, 22 innings she pitched, only gave up two runs. So she was electric and she keeps you in any game. Well, this is to me an interesting super regional because it's going to come down to, as you said, Amanda, one arm for Minnesota. It's going to be Pfizer versus the staff of LSU. Um, so, and then it's going to come down to, to the big bats. I, I like LSU coming in. They play a very heavy SEC away schedule in the sense that they're used to going in and playing in a, a, uh, environment where it's tough week in and week out. So this is just going to be like another SEC, um, series. So I, I like LSU in this one, but if Pfizer is on fire, she'll pull Minnesota through. Yeah, that that was such a tremendous home field to watch. And, and Amanda, you spoke to it earlier. It has taken over the town of Minneapolis. So that that is going to be a massive deal, not only for Minnesota, but I think for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because they got three seeded teams. They got two teams into the Supers. There's been a lot of talk about how good they have been all year long. And for them to break through and get to the World Series and get another program uh, from the Big Ten into the World Series, you take a look back at what happened in the last few years. The coach left. Their star player left. Uh, there were worries that they would never be able to get back to the top. And now here they are on the verge of doing something incredible for that program and for that city. So going to be fascinating to see how they fare. And I'll say it again against a Beth Traina team that is very well equipped to win on the road in a super regional. They've done it twice in the last three years. Um, on now to our final matchup. Um, where in the world was Jenny Dalton and where in the world will she be? I think she's going to be in LA for UCLA JMU. Jenny Dalton, cool cat with the bat. So I was at Oklahoma last weekend, exciting to watch. I did not think we would get to a game seven in that one. Wisconsin pulled out that big thriller, but then this week I get to travel to UCLA, which you know, the 90s me would say enemy territory, but now exciting to watch this um, this UCLA team who absolutely right now seems poised and ready to try to win a national championship. Um, they did not like their finish last season, going back-to-back losses to Florida State, who would end up winning the national championship. Um, but right now, Rachel Garcia in the circle looking really well. They trust her in every single game. She did not throw... Um, to Missouri in their run rule win, but that actually was the only game that UCLA had home runs in. Outside of that run rule win, there were no other home runs hit by UCLA. And for me, it's the middle of the lineup for UCLA. Going back and looking at their stats, that four for seven slot in their lineup went six for 35 on the weekend. And so to me, that's going to be the difference for them. If they can get the middle of the lineup really activated and working, that'll be a big one for me for UCLA. Two big questions for, um, for the cool cat with the bat. Number one, how much are you paying Jersey Meg? (laughs) The boss gives you the top two seeds for regionals and supers. And number two, when you walk into Easton Stadium, does an alarm go off like the Arizona players in, in the house? Arizona players in the house. <laughs> That's a great question because last weekend they had Leah Omiko Bryant or O'Brien oh, Omiko man. in the booth. So I don't know. Maybe they're just poised to face adversity and make us say nice things about them. But right now they are doing really well. It's exciting um, to be able to walk in there and watch senior the senior Megan Good come in for JMU. Um, a top 10 player of the year finalist. She right now, the only senior on their squad had to sit out last year. Um, For me, I'm excited to watch just the excitement and the domination that she can bring in the circle. Um, They're they're both good hitters. Yes. Um, A a little advantage to Megan good wins an ERA advantage to Garcia and Mackenzie Malam uh, tweeted out. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll go to, um, the pitchers here break down uh, the two righties, Good and Garcia, Scarborough and uh, Smitty. Who? Um, trying to think about who to start with first. Well, I, okay, I was really impressed the fact that Megan Good's velocity yeah. was still about seventy miles an hour at the very end of Monday, and she threw I think every pitch. So I yeah. saw her go up in the zone. I saw her work her screwball really well off the plate to lefties, and her velocity. I mean, she still has really good movement even with that velocity. What'd you see? Michelle? Yeah, absolutely, great velocity, really good mechanics. She's long and lanky. Garcia's shorter uh, and more compact. It's actually it's interesting because it kind of reminds me of. Uh, Garcia, obviously Lisa Fernandez with that smaller compact style of explosive pitching and, and good, more like the lanky uh, right-handers that, that you see. Um, but yeah, very good relaxed move. And I, uh, movement. I love the fact though, that she got squeezed a couple of times, um, but didn't let it rattle her. You know, she's that red shirt senior and you could just see the way that she was very composed, but ex- outstanding movement and velocity for the number of pitches. I was impressed. I mean, Amanda, Michelle, so in the seventh inning of the game seven against Michigan, Megan Good gives up the the solo shot with the two run lead to make it two to one. Yeah. And her face, she was like, it's no big deal. I got that. That's, I think, was the most impressive moment for the whole entire weekend that she let that just be mm-hmm. like, no big deal. It's, I'll get the next one. And she did. Yeah. 
That'll be uh, that'll be Pam Ward out in L.A. with Jenny Dalton, and uh, the the other crew in uh, Minneapolis will be Jen Hildreth and uh, Carol Bruggeman breaking down all the action for you there. So there there's our preview of uh, all of the super regionals. We'll reduce the field from sixteen down to eight. It's best two out of three this weekend. And the winners will head to the Women's College World Series. The top eight seeds have advanced in each of the last two years. And we have, and keep an eye on JMU. There has not been an unseeded team at the World Series uh, in the last six years. So trying to break through there. Um, you guys know who that was? Oh, I, I USF. Was two USF. I know, I know Beth knows. Oklahoma State the year before. No, I, I I believe USF had a uh, had a partner there in two thousand. Oh, actually, I think they did too. Baylor, uh, Baylor, no, Baylor. Go to, Louisiana. No. Go to Louisiana. Tiger Town with us, maybe Louisiana. LSU. Oh, I thought it was LSU. I'm going. LSU. I'm going it's back. LSU. LSU. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your memory is amazing. <laughs> All right. Um, we got a special edition of Shag and Stats. Um, Shagging stats with Vegas Vicky. All right, here we go. Are you guys ready? A little rapid fire. Um, and the whole crew was involved in this. Thanks, everybody, for um, the questions. Yay or nay? Uh, over or under, I should say. Will there be three upsets? Over or under? Three upsets this weekend. A lower seed over a higher seed. Jimmy, you're shaking your head no. Nay. Under. Anyone else? Come on, somebody back. Uh, I'm saying any nay. over. No if over. If it was two, I would. No if overs. it was two, I would have said yay. All right. Yeah, I think three is such a good number. I, I go with under. That's it. That's right. a Every, really well, everybody's going under. Do you have? Do you have a one that you're watching in particular? Upset special. LSU Minnesota. Okay. And the Tennessee Florida. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe the Kentucky Washington. Oh, maybe we're our three then. Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? What, <laughs> what about Megan Good in L.A.? Um. Over under the temperature in Minneapolis at first pitch, 55 degrees. Over and under. Oh. Amanda, you go first. Do, do over. we need to know if that's a night game or a day game? Is that a night game? <laughs> I'm still saying over because there's no way that could be that cold two weekends <laughs> in a row. For the love of the game, hopefully over. You don't know Minnesota. <laughs> over under Arizona, five home runs in the Supers. They only hit four, although they were all in one game in the regional. Over. Over. over, over, over. All right, there's going to be more home runs going on out there. I'll say yeah, under. Okay, I'll be the one under. Let's go. <laughs> That's we only hit like three last weekend. <laughs> we had eight game sevens in the regionals. Will we have four game threes? Over or under? Over, over, over. Oh, we like the parody. We like the competition. I'm going to say under. We're going over I'm going to say that. under. Can I go push? Push, push. Yes, Jimmy's going to push. Four of the eight, and that's it. Um, what is the uh, call on this? For Good and Garcia, collectively, will there be more runs allowed by those two, or will those two drive in more runs? JMU against UCLA. Hitting pitchers. Woo. I say runs allowed. Runs allowed will be higher. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I'm going to have to say the I- same. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them. I'm gonna say they're gonna drive in more. I'm gonna go runs allowed only because Maybe I think they're gonna focus shots. more on shutting the other team down, and then they are on their own hitting. Ah, well, and Rachel Garcia did not really perform very well at the plate in their regional. Oh, so are you saying she's due, Jenny? Don't you know what exactly what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Kate Gordon and Bubba Nichols are gonna be awfully tough to uh, to keep quiet. Um, and then Vegas Vicky has a has a couple for us to consider. Number one, will Sam Shaw flip a bat? And number two, will the very good natured Florida pitching staff retaliate? I think I think some people in Tallahassee were tweeting that they didn't appreciate all the flipping of the bats. They've talked about I it on their shoot. podcast that they don't appreciate yes. the bat flip, but I don't think that's in their nature to retaliate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think she will bat flip, and I don't think they will retaliate. Yeah. I, I think I she's going to have to uh, hit a home run first before she can yeah. flip the bat. So yeah. if that doesn't happen, then uh, then we don't even have to talk about it. Yep. 
I mean, she's hit like 18 or 19, so I feel like the odds are in her favor. Yeah, and I... Um, Coming to guess a lefty, yeah. she, I think she does that as well. So. What, she does yeah, that one? Yeah, because I think she sets up okay. well against left-handed pitching. All right. I say, yes, she will bat flip. No, the pitchers won't retaliate, but the next Seminole to hit a home run will oh, like bat flip. Oh, oh, I like it. That's my I am pretty That's sure Lonnie Alameda will not let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Last one we got, Elish, over under. And and you guys were a little hard on, on my first number, so I've changed it. <laughs> over under, Elish pitches 200. Over. 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 200. Well, uh, I should have gone. I should have gone two fifty and made it tougher on you guys. Dang. Well, you can do it again. Yeah. Let's get us again at two fifty. Two fifty. Do I hear two fifty? Two seventy five. Two seventy five. Three hundred. How about three hundred? Over two fifty. Uh, under three hundred. That's exactly what go. I think because Alabama does a good job of working deep counts and fouling off pitches. Yep. So I, I think that is going to be the key. It's not going to be um, just the sheer number of pitches. It's just going to be the sheer number of pitches due to the fact that they go deep into counts and they hit a lot of foul balls. Okay. Okay. And Vegas Vicky, um, had the, the last one, I'm sorry, this just in from Vegas Vicky, the uh, player most likely to hit a grand slam since this is the year of the slugger. Let's end it on that. The player most likely to hit a grand slam in the supers. I know the Alabama fans want, want me to call grand slam Bama again. Um, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to refrain from that particular discussion since I will be there for those games. Um, I'm going to go to Abby hmm. Cheek at Kentucky. Yeah. Abby Cheek. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to say Morgan Flores. Okay. Morgan Flores. All right. I mean, all right. Uh, I, I would have said Amanda Lorenz, but there's no way she'll ever get up with bases loaded. <laughs> uh, so they might walk her. They might walk uh, her. I'm, I'm going to go because Amanda Lorenz will get on before. Who's that? Maybe you know Lindeman. Better chance. Maybe, maybe I'm going to say, and this, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say Shelby Sinceri. Nice. Oh, because that is out there. here's one of my favorite things. This weekend when we were out there in Baton Rouge, we asked her if she was a pitcher who hit or a hitter who pitches. And she had a real hard time answering that. Um, oh. So she eventually came to the fact that she was a pitcher that hits. So I think she, I think she's going to get one. Well, I'm not going to say they're going to upset Minnesota, but I'd go with Shelby Sinceri. That would be impressive because Amber Pfizer has given up six home runs all year and like 240 yep. innings pitched. Uh, Mayhem, Amanda. Mayhem. Yeah. My my person would be Natalie Den Hardtop, the freshman from Minnesota. All right. I'm going to go big play Shay. I'm going to say Shay Knight. I'm going to combat that with okay. Kaylee Clifton because out of their six home runs last weekend, she had three oh. of them. So right now she's seeing the ball really well. Okay. Um, would you rather be called a pitter or a hitcher? As a that's pitch, a that is hilarious. Pitcher. Or do we need do we need to come up with a whole new phrase? I think a whole new think phrase. Pitter, I don't think pitter's going to work. <laughs> you could be a hitcher. I mean, you could be a hitcher. Oh my god, it's a unicorn, right, Amanda? <laughs> yeah, we are unicorns. I just like unicorns. you know, exactly. I I would have <laughs> yeah. to say. I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Amanda, but if I had to um, guess, I think most pitchers would say I'm a pitcher who hits. Um, unless you're coming out of the pen for somebody else's and there's an ace, then maybe you're a hitter who pitches. Okay. Yeah. Pitter. Pitter it is. Pitter. No. All right. Pitcher. Uh, I think it's, I think it's time for give me some Jimmy. Okay. I know that all the people listening can't see this, but I have a card right here and I don't know if you guys can even read it either. But it's, it's, it's about uh, – it is 11 teams on it. And, Jenny, I'm not sure if you were with us the day we did this. Um, but about midway through the season, we picked our – well, let's say our eight teams that we thought were the favorites to go to the World Series. Yeah. All right? Now, there are two of them that are playing each other. So you guys are not going to be able to go eight for eight. But the other seven are all still alive. And the three, wow. the three that you picked that were just on the outside – you know, just on the outside – Looking in are also all available. So, Jimmy, your card's upside down for no, crying I don't want out you guys loud. To see it's it. upside down, and you're beard oh, blurry. Oh, oh. Okay, I don't want you okay. to see it. So, what are we picking so, again? So, I'm just telling you what you guys picked, 
and I, and I want to oh. see what you guys think of it. You picked okay. for the final eight teams, LSU, Alabama, Texas, Florida State, UCLA, Oklahoma, Arizona, and Tennessee. And the three that were on the outside that we had a hard time deciding whether they would make the final eight or not were Washington, JMU, and Florida. They're all there. Wow. Really good pick so far. Everybody's still alive. How do you feel now? Washington. There's a couple I'd like to switch around. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Washington has just gotten so much better, I think, towards the end of the season. And to me, it's how they've turned their bats on. I mean, like, their offense is just starting to click and score Mm -hmm. runs for their two arms that have been so consistent. Uh, I'm worried about Tennessee, as I mentioned before, simply because of the the shipment injury. So that's my concern. Wow. All right. And JMU is right there, too. I don't know. I was pushing for them hard when uh, we were doing this. But – Nobody had Minnesota anywhere on there. So uh, what do we think now? I, again, I think it all comes down to Pfizer. I, I like the LSU call. It does. I do like the LSU call, but Pfizer's been resilient. I, you mentioned it, Amanda. She keeps the ball in the park, and if she can do that against LSU, they're playing at home. Maybe they do punch a ticket to uh, to mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. They, yeah, the way that she's throwing you guys, I'm telling you, she throws that way this weekend against LSU, and they can score a couple of runs. I think they're going to do it. I really kept this card hoping you guys would be like 100% wrong so we could make fun of you, but no, but it's also <laughs> yeah, really impressive yeah. that you're this right, too. So that means that's We're a good thing. Good, Jimmy. Just that good. We're that good. <laughs> Kayla, Jenny, you want to jump in there on any of those? I mean, how do you argue with that kind of lineup? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they've got it. I think, Michelle, the only thing is the injury. And I mean, if you didn't have that happen, and they are, yeah. I think they're a no doubter. Yeah. So yeah. I think you, I think we we're spot on guys. We're all geniuses. It's perfect. Genius. <laughs> Genius. It, this, we went to do a podcast and a Mensa meeting broke out. How about that? that that's for, for those of you guys who don't know, that's all the smart people. So the fact that we, the fact that we may not know that may uh, uh, negate the fact that this would indeed be a Mensa meeting. So, anyhow. Focused on our area of expertise. That's what we are. Yes. Yes. Um, is it time for the big finish? I think it is. Because here's the last thing that, that we have on behalf of softball fans everywhere. Um, NCAA. And, and I don't know if this has to come from the coaches or what. Please, 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 please. The higher seed is always the home team. We play during the regular season for that advantage to be the home team. None of this democratic, oh, everybody gets a chance to be home. No, they don't. Higher seed always, always, always should be home. Yeah. And that's my my one rant for the season. Amen, sister. Thank you. Can I get an amen, sister? Yeah. Amen, amen sister. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, everybody. You know, we, we've talked about it from day one, that road to the Women's College World Series. It's getting shorter and shorter. We're, we're on the off-ramp right now, headed towards Oklahoma City on the Seven Innings Podcast. We will see you around town this weekend. It's going to be awesome.